This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The Canadian real estate market is trash. There's very little supply, and it's all very expensive. Then you add in that little wrinkle, that little teensy-tiny wrinkle of finding housing that is accessible and meets your accessibility needs. Oh, boy, it gets even worse. People with disabilities oftentimes have to adapt their own spaces to meet their needs. And Kamozi did just that and, and has some tips to share. Hey, good morning, Anne. Nice to chat with you today. Good morning, Dave. Nice to be here again. And really appreciate you taking us into your home here. I'm curious how this all got started, how this project began for you. Well, I have acquired disability, and my disability changed over time. I gradually became more disabled. And for me, the big change happened when I moved from a walker to a wheelchair, and I suddenly had to change the way I lived. So how did you end up triaging priority at that point? Because the idea of making your home accessible sounds daunting, right? If you told me today, Dave, you've got to do a full house reno, I would go into panic mode. So how did you start deciding <laughs> which, which room would go first or which space would go first? Well, I actually ended up having to move into a new location and adapt that location. But it really was survival mode. Like I needed to take a shower. I needed to be able to do things in the bathroom. So the bathroom and the kitchen, those became the two focuses. I spent two years using a wooden spoon to try and turn off my fan in the kitchen. And I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I need to be I need to live in a different way. And I also had moved from, um, we had catastrophic things happen and my husband ended up being in long-term care. So I was now alone. So I not only had to adapt to it being in a wheelchair, but I had to adapt to being alone. And so I had to become independent or else I faced institutionalization. And that was just like, that's not the way it should work. We should mm. be given more support, but that's unfortunately the world we live in and accessible places are not easy to find. So I tried to do as much out of the box as I could and, and fight for the things that I needed to become independent on in my activities of daily living. Yeah, you and I can talk about systemic barriers till we're blue in the face, but the reality is you still have to live your life in real time. You have to live in the real world while fighting for a better world. So, Anne, you mentioned the bathroom. What what were some of the changes that you made? What are some tips that you have to offer? Well, um, the big thing about the bathroom is to make sure that the floor is not slippery. Mm. Um, falls are the biggest thing that move us from independence to dependence and um and many bathrooms look pretty with ceramic tile but ceramic tile is rock and if you fall on that you know it can lead to many severe things so um i focused on the bathroom being able to shower independently transfer to the toilet independently 
Um, you can see grab bars there around my toilet, which are pretty standard code. Enough space for my wheelchair to come in and transfer. There's a door open in that picture. Um, I have a fully um, uh, grab barred shower, and I did some things in my shower to make it easier for myself. I put in thermostatic mixing which a lot of people don't know about, but it's it mixes the hot and the cold. So if you don't have full sensation, you won't get burned. Oh, I like I that. Also, I also did not want to be frozen just having a handheld shower because I couldn't hold that handheld shower anymore. Mm. I put in some extra showers. There's my roll under sink. My landlord would not let me lower the sink, however, so I had to put in touch taps because I couldn't always reach the back of the faucet. So those are the kinds of things you have to kind of play with, depending on how um, what kind of accommodations you can get. I'm, I don't own my own living space. I'm renting. So again, there's a lot of negotiation that has to happen with a landlord. You mentioned that in the kitchen you'd been using a wooden spoon to whack away at your hood fan for a while. What, what, which, which you know, like I, I love the ingenuity, but it sounds like a big frustration. So, what changes? Did yeah. you, what changes did you want to make to your kitchen? Well, my kitchen. I love what I did with my kitchen, and it's not very expensive. I put all my dishes in drawers, and um, this was accomplished by using 100 pound weights there's my drawer system and i pretty much have my everything i need to cook in those drawers and um it, they're 100 pound weights and you can see they're full extension so they they pull out fully so i can see everything in the drawer but they also can carry a lot of weight which most standard kitchen drawers do not do and that was simply exchanging the sliders on the side to make sure they could carry weight but also fully extend and the top two drawers on that side i have as working spaces and there's my pull-out pantry so all my food is in a pull-out uh, pantry where the drawers pull out and there are cupboards my landlord said you have to have cupboards but basically I say those are for the standing guests so I put things in there that people who come over who stand can reach and um, some of them have office supplies in them they don't even have kitchen stuff there's some other things there. I think uh, we have a few more pictures of my cooktop, and you should be able to see underneath my cooktop, I put the switches for the fan and the light above my cooktop. So there's my cooktop, and there's a pot filler. So I had burned, <laughs> spilled, I don't know how many pots of water trying to carry them on my wheelchair. So I put a pot filler to fill pots on top of my cooktop. And right under my cooktop to the right, I have all the switches for the fan and the, um, and the light. And this is my wall oven. So again, I made a, a, a side opening wall oven. Most of them open down. And if you're in a wheelchair, there's my switches, by the way, um, un under my cooktop. And I put that little tray under my wall oven. So when I have a hot thing in the oven, I don't have to put it on my legs and burn them, which I've already mm. done a number mm. of times. So that I've never seen that little pull-out um, drawer under a cooktop anywhere. And that was just a simple little thing in the way they constructed those um, drawers under the cooktop. I asked for one that could double as a tray. And, and those, I haven't found those in books. 
Um, I, I did look at many books. I talked to many people. I, I looked at codes, but codes are, they don't really work with the flow of being mm -hmm. independent. Mm -hmm. Like there's nowhere a code that says, don't put a, 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 a fan or a lamp or, or a light above a stove down low there's there's no code there so of course uh, for all my switches i put them up up uh, down low and my plugs up high the interesting thing dave is the number of people that have come in my apartment and said i love your plugs being up high like not too many people like to bend down to the floor to plug in yeah, a plug yeah you know and so that's a unit what, what i'm really doing here is what's called universal design and and I needed to age in place and I needed something that would work universally because I have uh, caregivers that come and help me. They don't want to be down low. So like, there's my plug again. You can see I also put a plug there as well as my switches. Everything is easy at my fingertips. A lot of that is the planning for your electrical. There's another wall um, uh, switch and you can see my wall plug is very close to my switches, so is my thermostat. And I did something really simple with my switching. It's called, um, I forget the actual technical term, but my plugs are half hot, which means that the bottom plug in my living room is always on but controlled by a switch. So I can plug all my lights into that bottom plug and hit a switch and all my lights come on because I have hand issues and I can't turn lights off easily mm, mm. so now i can just push a switch i kind of made a smart home without having smart technology um so i can push and i have the same thing beside my bed right here where i'm sitting right now um i have one switch that controls all the lights in my bedroom and that's that's due to that half hot switch mm. so one switch is on all one part of the plug is on all the time but the bottom half is switch controlled so smart technology also helps us a lot with disabilities and that's something we can we can we can really do to improve our lives and it really seems like you combined physical usability with some technology and some creative thinking here you alluded to your process tell me a little bit more about the conversations you had what you were reading because the the common thread across what you described in the bathroom the kitchen your lighting is that it was really well thought out, like really, really well thought out. I think that's a really prime example for a lot of people to take note of. So tell me a little bit more about your process. Well, I was living in a house before that was not accessible to me in many ways. In some ways it was. So first thing I did was make a list of everything that I was wrong, everything that I was frustrated about, everything that was dangerous and danger and safe, like safety is a key component here. I wanted to live alone. I wanted to live safely. And um, so I, I made a list. Then I, I got books. I, I went on the internet, although there wasn't as much on the internet then as there is now. Um, I also talked to people. I reached out to wheelchair users. Um, I reached out to people with compatible disabilities and said, what works for you? For example, 
I have a blind uh, in my room that was supplied by my landlord, but I couldn't lift up the blind. I couldn't pull the strings. I couldn't make it work. And another wheelchair user said, oh, get a remote for that. I didn't even know you could get a remote for a blind. And, and that did cost me a little bit of money, but it's been one of the most wonderful things to get into bed and go, oh, God, I forgot to put the blind down and I just get my remote and down it goes. Mm. Um, not to mention that I couldn't physically put the blind up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I looked at the codes. The codes were woefully inadequate. Um, so I definitely wanted to meet and exceed the codes if I could. Then the biggest part of my job was negotiating with my landlord. Right. That right. was that, that was really difficult. Um, you, you need to look and see if there's grants available. In Nova Scotia, there are grants available. Um, make it. What I did with my landlord was I traded off things. So in most of the apartments, he was putting in these bar counters. Well, I couldn't sit at a bar counter. I didn't want a bar counter. So I said, well, how much, how much can I get for that bar counter? So I traded um, a wall oven for a bar counter kind of thing. And, and, and that negotiation with the landlord was key. There were certain things that he was not willing to bend on. He would not lower my sinks, for example. And that was really a challenge for me to figure out how to adapt to that. In the end, I put in these touch taps so that I can, I can just touch the tap and turn it on rather than have to reach for a faucet. So it's a, it's a process. Universal design is very important. When we're talking about universal design, we're talking about making it good for a child, making it good for an old person, making it good for a person in a chair, making it good for a person with mm-hmm. low vision. Mm-hmm. And you can you can really accomplish all of those things. And we really should be looking at building homes that are built like that. But that that's a huge conversation and one that is not going to happen anytime soon. It, it's brambling. It's brambling. There's moments. There's there's there are projects going on. But you're right. The notion of going beyond building code into universal design that that jump has not necessarily hit all the way yet. You're starting to hear conversations about visitability, right? That can someone with a disability yes. visit a home rather than live in a home. So it's progress. It's slow. It's hard. But and I think you've just provided a pretty good example of uh, what excellence looks like in terms of adapting a space to your needs. And I want to end this on maybe a little bit of a fun note here. I don't know if you've yeah. caught wind of the daily poll here today. I did. I, I know that you <laughs> care deeply about climate and environmental issues, but I'm yeah. asking questions today about reusable bags. And not in a snarky way, not in a way to be dismissive of reusable bags, but take me into your kitchen. What is the state of your kitchen in terms of being overrun with reusable bags? I'll confess to you that I am currently overrun with reusable bags? Well, I'm probably a little bit different than everybody. I started arguing for reusable bags in the 80s. And actually, we Ooh, we actually were <laughs> we actually were successful in changing our local co-op grocery store in the late '80s to cloth bags. We were probably one of the first municipalities in Canada to be doing that. I've been doing reusable bags for over 30 years, so this isn't a new concept to me. I've been asking for my um, groceries to be put in cardboard boxes. I I have a. Um, reusable bags like everybody but they're all well organized and i always have one in my purse 
I always have one in my backpack on my wheelchair. I'm, I confess reusable bags for me are a no brainer. <laughs> uh, and Mosey just bragging here on national TV today, just showing off. Hey, and thank you for this. Have a lovely day. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Dave. You too. Take care. That's Ann Camozzi, a disability rights advocate in Nova Scotia. Coming up in 60 seconds, Alex will have the weather story of the day. But first, here's Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your morning business minute. Strength in base metal stocks helped Canada's main stock index to a triple-digit gain ahead of today's interest rate decision by the Bank of Canada. Toronto's TSX index gained 110 points yesterday to close at 21,034. New York's Dow Jones average lost 96 points and the Nasdaq added 65. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index lost 291 points, but Hong Kong's Hang Seng index surged 545 points on New that China's central bank plans to reduce the ratio of reserves that banks must hold to help boost the slowing economy. Our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 74.36 cents U.S. The Bank of Canada will make its first interest rate announcement of the year this morning. Economists widely expecting the central bank will continue holding its key overnight rate steady at 5% as it has the last three times as economic data suggests monetary policy is slowing inflation. From the Canadian Press Business Desk. I'm Karen Rebo. Thank you very much, Karen. That interest rate announcement will come out in about 20 minutes. I will share it with you as soon as it comes out. Let's turn to Alex Smythe for the world of weather. Alex, confession time. Even though I work in this business, I look at the weather every single morning. I was outside late last night and I noticed that the snow turned into rain. It did not stop me from like sliding down my sidewalk this morning because I did not wear appropriate footwear for icy conditions. Oh, geez. I'm sorry to hear that, Dave. That's never fun. And unfortunately, I didn't fall. Oh. I didn't fall. I've got, I've got okay. the sure footing of a mountain goat. Well, there you go. That's a positive. And another positive, well, the rain is continuing, and I'm pretty sure most of that ice and snow in the in the Toronto area is going to be gone by the end of today because over the next day, few days, we're going to have a series of wet systems in the region. So uh, any of the snowflakes that we may have received yesterday are more likely than not to disappear uh, by the end of today and tomorrow because today the Windsor-Ottawa corridor is going to see upwards of 5 to 10 millimeters of rain. So there's still moisture in the area, but the temperature has risen above zero. And so we're getting rain instead of snow. That system will move out overnight tonight, but another system will make its way into the area Thursday overnight into Friday. And when that system at the end of the week comes in, Sault Ste. Marie and Sudbury will also be impacted by that weather pattern. So it will bring more rain to the region. Ottawa and King Carden, however, because of where they're located and the conditions, they may see it more as freezing rain or ice. So there is precaution to be set there. Now, after that Friday system is gone, there is also a chance that another system could come on Sunday as well. Uh, the projections are still unsure whether or not that will be the case, but there's a system that's going to be building south of the border that may move forward, that may bring more colder conditions. So instead of the rain, it may be snow again. But regardless, as we head into next week, it will warm up. So even if snow is brought with that Sunday system, it won't last long, Dave. 
Right on, Alex. Thank you for this. Talk to you in the next hour of the show, sir. Sounds good. That is Alex Smythe at the Weather Desk coming up after the break. Festival du Voyageur is making its way back to Winnipeg. Community reporter Derek Lackey has the highlights. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.